hearing from customers, because I do talk to a lot of them after the sale, there's always like a driver who's like, I'm going to get chickens. And then there's other spouse. A lot of times he's kind of like, okay, (laughs) not super excited about this, but whatever. And I hear from the other spouse that's not super excited. And I'm like, I had no idea. I would love having chickens. If you're someone who refuses to go along to get along, if you question whether the status quo is good enough for you and your family, you want to leave this world better off than you found it, and you consider independence a sacred thing, you may be a prepper, a gardener, a homesteader, a survivalist, a farmer, a rancher, an environmentalist, or a rugged outdoorsman. This show is for those who choose the road less traveled, the road to self-reliance, for those living a daring adventure, life off the grid. Diane Twining co-founded Roost and Root in 2013 with her husband, Monty. Their passion and slogan is find your inner farmer. At Roost and Root, they manufacture high quality backyard farm and garden lifestyle products that help fulfill that slogan. She enjoys keeping chickens and gardening as well as deep sea fishing and running. Diane, welcome to the Off the Grid Biz podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great having you here. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about what it is that you do? So together with my husband, we run Roost and Root. Like you said, we are a manufacturing company based out of Dripping Springs, Texas. So we're a little bit west of downtown Austin. And we have a manufacturing facility where we, uh, we started in 2013 manufacturing and selling chicken coops, primarily chicken coops. And in 2020, we actually changed our name to Roost and Root. We used to be Urban Coop Company, but we sold our coops through the years and we kept getting a lot of customers saying, you know, what else are you guys going to build? They liked our products. They liked the quality. And what goes hand in hand with backyard coops and its gardening products, we changed our name to Roost and Root to kind of reflect both of our interests. Fabulous. So what led you into the business to begin with? (laughs) So my husband is a builder and an entrepreneur, and we moved to a piece of property in Texas and I got some chickens and I could never find a chicken coop that functioned like I wanted it to. I wanted it to be uh, easy to clean. I wanted it to be easy to take care of the chickens, give them food, give them water. So Monty being a builder, I said, you need to build some chicken coops. Well, a little bit more to that. So Monty was a builder, had a commercial construction company at the time um, and did a big project for a um, company. And we are leaving to go out of town for Thanksgiving and we drive through the the drive-through of this uh, Starbucks that he had helped build and we were still waiting to get paid for the work that had been done and we're thinking this whole working for someone else uh, is not so much fun so as we're driving we're talking and I said you really need to build cute chicken coops I think if you build cute chicken coops people will buy them and he's like no, that's kind of a dumb idea. But I had chickens, I had friends who would come here and they'd 
say, you know, oh, I want to keep chickens. I'm like, well, you should do it. And they're like, but I don't even know how to get started. How do I get a chicken coop? And I said, well, you should have your husband build you one. Cause that's what I did. And they're like, my husband can't build me a chicken coop. And so it just kind of sparked the idea that maybe there was something because we are close to Austin. We're probably a suburb more than our own little town anymore. More and more neighborhoods were popping up. We don't live in a neighborhood. We live on a piece of property. So, you know, when you live on a pretty big piece of property, you can kind of have whatever in your yard. It doesn't have to look pretty. It can just be functional. But if you live in a normal suburban or urban setting and you only have so much space in your yard and you decide you want to take up some of that space with a chicken coop that you're going to have to stare at all the time, you want it to look nice. Um, you want it to add to the beauty of your yard, not necessarily, you know, take away. That's when I said, you know, you need to build chicken coops and they need to be cute. And he's like, well, that's kind of a dumb idea, but he humored me and uh, came up with a bunch of drawings and the first 10 or so were ugly <laughs> and I didn't like them. And I said, no, keep trying, keep trying. And finally hit on what is our backyard coop. And I said, okay, people I think will buy that. We should build some. And I said, well, build me one and I'll try it. And he said, well, if I'm going to build one, I'm going to build 20. I said, okay. And so he built 20 and we just tried it to see what would happen. We put them on Craigslist and they sold out within about a week, kind of realized that we had something. We knew that if we wanted to make it a business that supported our family, that it needed to be something beyond Craigslist. It couldn't be just a, a local thing or a regional thing. We needed to be able to build something that we could ship and sell nationally. So we worked with the shipping companies to come up with box sizes and I mean, there's so much to it that we really didn't know at first what all was involved in it, but the initial design was something that is within about a quarter of an inch of the max size that you can ship in a box through like a ground shipment company, UPS, FedEx. So that's kind of how it started. Um, at first it was very small. It was Monty and I, um, our kids. <laughs> um, we had an employee and kind of grown from there. Fabulous. So from the business perspective, you found your first customers on Craigslist. Where did you go from there? When we decided that it was probably going to work and that it needed to be national, um, you know, really our main source of advertising is Google AdWords, pay-per-click advertising. It's a double-edged sword, let me tell you. Um, we are finding, though, as we've been in business now eight years, that one thing that we had that was uh, very gratifying but very surprising is we have a lot of repeat customers, upwards of 20 30%. Like, who knew people needed multiple chicken coops? But they do, and we're certainly grateful. And it, it's really gratifying to us, to the folks that work in the shop, when somebody that we've sent something to comes back and, you know, parts with their treasure and gets another one. But our source of advertising initially was Google AdWords, some social media advertising. We're working really hard to morph it into something that, well, less corporate, yeah. <laughs> less Google, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, I understand. So that's great. How, where are you finding most of your newest customers from nowadays? 
We've sold into all 50 states. Believe it or not, it's a really interesting kind of phenomenon to us anyways, that the major group of customers is that upper northeast part of the United States. I think that what we could figure out is that they like cedar wood. All of our products are made out of cedar. That's all we build with, which is a really high quality material. It lasts a long time. It does well in cold climates, warm climates, wet climates, dry climates. That's kind of our big customer base, but we also sell a lot to the West Coast. Pretty good idea who our customers are, but we sell to all kinds of people, but typically suburban, urban folks who are interested in turning off the TV and getting out of the house. You know, we like to talk about it in the office and our meetings that we're trying to sell like an experience and not just a chicken coop or greenhouse or garden product, but something that gets people outside and gets people starting to think about where, you know, the typical person can't have a cow or whatever it might be. You know, you might not be able to source all of the the food on your table, but you could put a dozen eggs in your refrigerator and some tomatoes. And it's a really gratifying thing that people have responded really well to, you know, put down your phone and go take care of something outside and do double duty. You get some exercise, you get off the TV, get off the couch and you get something for it. Absolutely. That's great stuff. With all those new customers, are they mainly finding you through your standard places, your, your PPC and your social media? Is there anywhere else that they're, that they're coming in contact with you for um, the first time? Certainly a lot of uh, word of mouth. So, you know, as our customer base builds, there's a lot more word of mouth. We do a little bit of print advertising. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, I think print advertising is going away but probably a combination of those PPC. And this last year, uh, we really dove deep into trying to create content that's helpful, social media content, YouTube content. I mean, that's really a focus for us going forward is, you know, obviously we're here to support the people that work for us and earn a living. But we also want people to, you know, does this no good to sell something to somebody if they don't like what they purchased from us? It does us no good. They don't tell people they worse, uh, say something bad. And so we really want to have a focus on making sure that before the sale, people know what they're getting into. And then after the sale, making sure that they feel supported, that their questions are answered, that they uh, feel confident in what it is that they've purchased, whether it's a chicken coop or a greenhouse or garden beds, whatever it might be. Tell me more about that. What is your after sale? What's the process? Is it, do, oh do you gosh. offer some type of, you know, ongoing customer service or how do you guys <laughs> run that? Okay. So that's a really interesting. So when you're really small, you do like every job that there is. I mean, I've packaged coops, I've built coops and there's this kind of a small group of us. Um, we've done every job as an owner. One of the privileges that you get, in addition to some of the headaches that you get from owning your own business, that one of the privileges as you bring people on, you get to choose what jobs 
you keep <laughs> and what jobs you give to other people. I love talking to customers on the telephone. So my main job is answering the telephone, customer support. Mm-hmm. Um, and we find that it's really helpful because I get that feedback loop. I'm sitting really close to my husband who does the majority of the design work. And I can tell him, I've talked to 20 people in the last week that are like, I don't really like whatever it is, or I really would like, that's usually how it is. I get enough people saying, you guys should sell whatever. And I mean, I could turn and tell him, Hey, we should consider creating this or whatever it might be, whatever product it is. So we try and plaster our phone number everywhere. We want people to reach out to us. And if it's not me that answers the phone, it's actually my oldest daughter um, who answers the telephone part-time so she can stay home with her twins. But it's just a such an important role or job in the company. Of course, I think it's probably the most important, but I'm sure some of the other folks in the <laughs> in the company would think differently, but it's all works together, right? But customer support, it's critical before and it's critical after. Because again, it doesn't stop once you sell it to somebody because you want somebody to like what it is that they purchase. You want them to love it. You want them to love it so much that they tell their friends you want them to love it so much that they buy another one. And when I was training my daughter to answer the telephone, I'm like, we are not about get the sale at all costs. If you are talking to somebody and they're like, eh, I just don't know if this is going to work for me, whatever it might be, you know, talk to them. And you might at the end of the conversation be like, you know what? this is probably not going to work for you. I think people appreciate that. And I think people value that. Um, And so they may not purchase from you, but somebody else that they might tell that it is the right product for them might purchase from you. As far as after the sale, so our chicken coop number one, that the uh, very first one, the the family came and picked it up um, from us that purchased it off Craigslist. They still have the chicken coop. I still keep in touch with them. Um, They have moved three times with their chicken coop. Um, Chicken coop number 20. So the last of the original batch, we actually sold to a military family that they've moved with their coop 11 times. And every time they set it up, they send me a picture and they keep in touch. I have lots of customers that reach out to me after the sale, you know, my chicken looks funny or ongoing questions, because I think that's part of them enjoying their coop is Mm -hmm. getting their questions answered. There's so much chicken information out there that sometimes it can be overwhelming and a little daunting. I think that there's a certain segment of the chicken world that, um, don't try and make it complicated, but chickens don't have to be complicated and they don't have to be scary, but you get on Google and you start reading and you're like, oh my gosh, what do they get into? And so they call me and I'm like, okay, let's, <laughs> let's talk about your concerns, whatever they might be. And, and they usually end up once we get off the telephone. Oh, thank you. I, I really appreciate, you know, hearing, cause I'm, not an alarmist when it comes to chickens. Chickens are easy to keep. (laughs) They really are. Lots of after sales support, lots of after customer support. 
it's really funny you talk about that. I've mentioned it on the show before. My wife is in the process. Actually, it's been well over a year that she's been in the process of working her way up to getting chickens. And I completely understand all the confusion and, and the overcomplications of the process. Yeah. You know, I actually um, had a customer tell me one time, she says, sort of like when you are getting ready to have your very first baby, you're like, oh my gosh, I need to get this and I have to get this. And what happens if this happens? And she says, and then you realize by the time you've had four kids that really you need like a car seat and some diapers. And that's a little bit like what chickens are. You know, they need a safe place to sleep, food and water. And beyond that, you can make it extra if you want, but you don't have to. Absolutely. So have her call me. Yeah, I will. <laughs> So who would you say is the ideal client for Roost and Root? If you had to describe that person, what would that be? I think there's a couple groups that we sell to, but like mm -hmm. in our head, when we're designing something or we're marketing something, our target customer is 30 to 50. It's 50-50, males, females. It is, mm -hmm. you know, we used to think, oh, chickens are a girl thing and or, oh, chickens are a boy thing. It's 50-50. That's kind of proven out over the years. They just probably due to rules and regulations, what have you, they live in a single family home. Although we do have some chicken coops and some really interesting uh, places. But, you know, so those middle years, usually they have kids, they have pets, um, other pets, um, they have nice yards that they want to keep looking nice, but they want to do something different. They want to have some chickens, get some eggs, use your chickens as sort of natural pest control. So that I would say that's kind of the majority. Now there's another group, the kind of recently retired group that, that is a little bit older age demographic that they've got a little bit of time on their hands. Uh, you know, they're kind of interested in puttering around and want to get a few chickens and have good memories of uh, feeding chickens when they were a little kid at their grandma's farm or what have you. Mm. Um, so I guess those are kind of our two like target groups. Oh, that's great. Perfect way to describe it. That's yeah. really, really cool. The thought pattern that people are going through, that's, that's very interesting. Uh, what are your top selling products right now? Our top selling chicken coop is our round top stand-up coop. It's just a great, easy to keep clean coop. It holds six chickens, which is a really good number for people when they're just starting out. Not too few that you're like, what am I doing this for? I'm not getting enough eggs, but not so many that you're overwhelmed by the prospect. So definitely the stand-up. And then we recently introduced a greenhouse, our slant roof greenhouse, and we suspected that it would be popular. I don't think we knew that it was going to be as popular as it is, um, but people are really responding. It's been for sale for like two weeks, but people are buying it and really like it. That's great. Overall, what do you like best about your business and your industry? This is, was kind of surprising to us. At first, when we started it, we thought we don't want to have employees. They're just a headache. And let's see what we could do without having so many employees. But kind of as we've been in business and as we've grown and added employees, I would say that that's one of the aspects that I really enjoy is 
having employees and I guess working with them to create a good product that people like. My husband describes it as chicken coops and gardening products. You know, it's it's a adding to the world. Like you're doing no harm to the world <laughs> with these products. Like you're you're doing not necessarily good. I mean, we're all here to to earn a living for our families, but you're boy, adding to the world in a positive way. So I think that that was one of the aspects that was kind of surprising to us is just that it was that it's enjoyable to have employees, and we have incredible employees that really want to put out a quality product. We have a really generous return policy and we do it on purpose, partly because, you know, it's a little bit weird to buy something that's pretty expensive, sight unseen. We do, we have this really generous return policy. In the eight years we've been in business, I bet you we've had 10 chicken coops returned. Wow. Total. I could probably name the people that have returned chicken coops. And when those chicken coops come back, it hurts everybody's feelings. They're like, what in the world? How could they not like it? We, you know, poured our heart and soul in getting this uh, shipped out to them. And so that's just a gratifying aspect. And then just hearing from customers, because I do talk to a lot of them after the sale. A lot of times one spouse is gung-ho there's always like a driver who's like i'm gonna get chickens and then there's other spouse a lot of times he's kind of like okay (laughs) not super excited about this but whatever and i hear from the other spouse that's not super excited and like had no idea i would love having chickens or i enjoy them so much more than i ever thought and that's really gratifying too again you're kind of doing something that adds positivity not negativity (laughs) Awesome. That's so cool. So cool to hear. Okay, let's take a break from that conversation. I wanted to bring up a question for you. During these crazy times, do you feel like your business is indestructible? Most people don't. And if not, the real question is why? And what can you do to make it as indestructible as possible? Well, that's the basis of my new book, Nine Ways to Amazon Proof Your Business. I'm going to talk about The second way, which is called being consistent, I cover this all in chapter two, and I'm not talking about being consistent in a very generic way. I'm talking about specifically being consistent in your communications with your customers, not just customers you're looking to have, but customers you've already had and getting them to know, like, and trust you. Now you could be doing this through paid advertising, but you could also be doing it organically through social media via videos via blog posts, via podcasts like this, getting out there so that people can get to know, like, and trust you so that when they do become customers, they don't just become customers that enjoy and love your products or services. They know, like, and trust you as a person. That's a value they can't get from big companies. I also have eight other ways to Amazon-proof your business. Basically, the idea of making it competition-proof to even someone as big as Amazon.com. So if you'd like to get your hands on a free copy of my book, go to AmazonProofBook.com. Sign up and you will get a free copy and get the chance to purchase a physical copy of it for a special price. And now let's get back to our show. On the flip side of that, if there was one thing that you could change about either your business specifically or your industry as a whole, what would it be? 
Wow. The world sort of lives and dies by the internet. Gosh, you can have an unhappy customer that, you know, for whatever reason is unhappy and they can do a lot of damage to you. They could just go multiple places and write bad things about you. And that lives forever. (laughs) You know, when it's pre-internet, somebody had a bad experience, you know, they told their neighbor and a couple of people and it kind of died there, but somebody has a bad experience with you for whatever reason, it is there forever. And you really have to work hard to overcome that. Certainly that's the toughest thing. Um, You know, we live and die by reviews and a a bad review. Again, just like I returned chicken coop, (laughs) they hurt all of our feelings. I, you know, our, our shop manager's like, I didn't sleep last night thinking about that guy who left us a four-star review. (laughs) So that is it for sure. Well, it sounds like you're doing a lot of great preventative measures, having the return policy and everything else to to try and keep that from occurring. It sounds good in that direction. If we were to talk again and say like a year from now, and we were to look back over the past 12 months and everything that had happened, what would have had to have happened for you to feel happy with your progress, both professionally and in business or personally and in business? That's a really good question. Um, 2020 was a crazy year for us. So we're in 2021. We launched the greenhouse and that's like our major product launch for this year from kind of conception to getting it to market is about 1500 hours of design, prototyping, testing, all of that kind of stuff. So we're kind of coming off of that in 2021. Um, And we've kind of committed to sort of doubling down on the products that we are currently selling, our current product offering. And we'd like to spend the next year really refining our assembly instructions, refining our website, increasing content. The things that we're proposing for the next year probably aren't super exciting, but for us, they add to the whole uh, experience of it all and to customer satisfaction. Um, So really the next 12 months for us is just really doing what we do well, even better. And that is our focus for 2021. So in 12 months, if we look back, if we're like, you know, we had lots of customers who were happy with us, Um, you know, obviously we have to sell things for all of us to put our kids through college and several people having babies, that kind of thing, you know, that work here. We got to do all of that, but that's a given, right? Every business has to sell stuff to be able to stay in business, but we really, um, just want to focus on what we've been doing and just get even better, take it up a notch. Again, we were so small for so many years that Monty designed the products, wrote the instructions, uh, that kind of thing, that now that we've got some other heads in it that we could feel like we could do a better job at giving people a better experience. In building on that customer experience over the next year, Besides just the everyday things that come along with life and having a good size work family there, what other obstacles are standing in your way of getting there, do you see? I would say one of the 
obstacles, and this is not my area really, is how do we tell people, how do we get the word out about our company that is not pay-per-click? It is like, uh, it's tough for us. It's a little bit like crack cocaine is how my husband describes it. Got to do it, but then you do it, you got to do more and more and more. And that is an obstacle because those pay-per-click costs, we've put people in business and we've driven prices up through our success. Um, so that's definitely one obstacle. You know, another big obstacle that we're facing is material availability. Mm. We're committed to using high quality materials and the costs have gone up like crazy. We're hoping they come down, but whoever really lowers their prices, right? I mean, that's not really a common thing that you see happen. And uh, another obstacle is labor availability. It's a tight labor market out there. We're having a tough time hiring. We have a very competitive wage. We have a good work environment. We feed everybody on Thursdays, um, lunch. I mean, (laughs) why wouldn't they want to come work here? But we're having a tough time finding people. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, when we have very little turnover, so we're trying to add to our staff um, and it's just uh, kind of the economic situation out there is making it tough to find people. Absolutely. And besides the things you already mentioned, how else has the whole COVID-19 thing that's been happening for the past year, we're recording this in March of uh, 2021. So how has that affected your business? So very positively in that we had an incredible 2020. I think that a couple things kind of came together at the very beginning of the COVID scare people. There was some worry about just food supply chains kind of in combination with people who were like, wait a minute, I am so dependent on my grocery store for every aspect of my food. What could I do to maybe be a little less dependent on them combined with the fact that people aren't traveling. And so they are home more and wanting to get outside. I mean, it just was this really interesting set of circumstances that allowed us to have a a really good year as far as sales, that it was a good year for us in that. Now then there's on the flip side been some of the challenges that I think probably everybody's experienced. Mm. Shipping is a mess sometimes, you know, just the shipping companies are fairly overwhelmed. We're all ordering stuff that gets sent to us that, you know, you probably used to be more sort of locally distributed kind of things. Materials availability has been tough, probably in part because of some shipping issues and other issues going into it. And um, like I said, the, the labor issue. I think that there's jobs out there. There's just some disincentives for people to work, unfortunately. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So you've been in business for over eight years now. What advice would you have to other business owners that would like to start a business similar to yours? Be prepared to do every job. (laughs) I really do think though, that that has been part of our success is that I am not asking anybody that works out in the shop to do something that 
I haven't done. You know, I'll tell you, one of the toughest parts of our business is putting the parts in either the crate or a box. This sounds so simple. People look at me, they're like, I, I don't get why you're telling me this is hard. But making sure that the correct parts are in the box in a way that they're going to show up not damaged so that they're all the correct parts and if you've ever bought anything that you had to put together and you got halfway through the project and realized you didn't have all of the parts you know that frustration but that is a really tough job there's a lot going on there's a lot of parts to it and so that was my job for a long time so now i know i have a lot of grace for the person who the people who are out in the shop doing that job so um having a familiarity with all of the different aspects that go into what it is you're trying to do i think really helps that as you grow if we had started out with outsourcing let's say answering the telephones um, not that that was even a possibility when we started, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you, you do what you got to do, but I mean, let's just say, you know, you outsource some part of it. We certainly wouldn't have had the ideas that we have, some of the products that we've come out with that have ended up being really good sellers. We wouldn't have an idea of who to market to and who to sell to. Um, so definitely just being hands-on is critical and just valuing a customer. You know, I know I put myself in a customer's position. You know, if I paid this amount of money for something, how would I want it to function? How would I want it to arrive to me? How would I want the communication to be? That kind of thing. So just I think it goes beyond sort of the customer is always right because um, I think it's more that the customer is it. <laughs> I mean, without him, you wouldn't be here. And then on the flip side, you know, um, Monty always, he teases me because, you know, I talking to customers and they're asking me different things. And I'm like, sure, we can do that. Sure. We can do that. And he's like, you write the checks that then the production shop has to cash. And I'm like, yes. And you know, that's the other thing to realize too, when you're sort of starting a business that everybody's integral to getting your product out there. Without customers, you'd have nobody to sell stuff to. Without our production shop, or maybe even worse, a production shop that doesn't care or doesn't do a good job, we would have unhappy customers. Without you know the design team, we'd have nothing to sell them. No one particular aspect is more important than the other. That's really important idea to, to convey. So <laughs> yeah, that's really great. What could a listener do who's interested in finding out more about Roost and Root? Uh, certainly started our website, roostandroot.com. Take a look through there. We have a extensive blog section that we try and put informative information out there. Um, certainly that's a good place to start, but then on every page on the website is our phone number and call. We encourage people to call and have a human conversation person to person about what it is you're trying to do, what, what you kind of want to accomplish, what your budget is, what your worries are. I would encourage people to call. All right. Well, Diane, I could tell why you're in charge of customer service there. 
Because <laughs> I can talk oh, a lot. <laughs> no, it's great. It's you're very clear and you get straight to the point and it's a lot of great information. And I'm, I know uh, I'm going to be re-listening to this and I encourage every, all of our listeners to go back over this because there's a whole lot of great meat on the bone there. Uh, Diane Twining, Roost and Root, thanks so much for being on the Off the Grid Biz podcast. It was really great sitting and talking with Diane. Roost and Root is certainly an interesting concept because you not only, we didn't even get to talk that much about the combination between gardening and chickens, which is actually very common. If you've heard some of our earlier episodes where we discussed it, it is a growing trend for people not to just get into chickens that have never had them before, same people to also have gardens. I know that's the case in my family. There's a lot of great stuff that Diane brought up, a few of them that I wanted to point out. One is her discussing Without using this actual term, but there's a term out there by a marketing expert named Dean Jackson, and he calls it the before, during, and after unit. And what that is, is the customer experience. And anybody that has a business can break up their business into before, meaning everything that happens before they've done any business with you. It's a certain aspect of marketing that most of us focus on is, is how do you get them to get here? That's the before unit. And then during is all the people who are current customers or recent customers. And that's what are you doing in communication with them during that period of time. And then you've got the after unit, which are people that were customers previously. How are you remarketing to them? How are you communicating with them? What other options do they have after they've been a customer? And her discussing that customer experience really brought forth that idea in my mind. And you can hear her talk about each of those pieces and how they're looking to enhance each piece, which is really cool. I love how she talked about real briefly about not making a sale at all cost. Okay. Getting to the point to where you're confident enough in your products that you can say, this isn't necessarily for you. That's really a powerful statement, and it's, it brings up that idea from Miracle on 34th Street. I don't know if you've ever seen that when Macy's was directing people to go to Kimball's and, and vice versa, and, and people started offering their competitors, their so-called competitors, as a different option for the customer. And without being corny about it, it actually is a very useful tool for one thing, it shows that you're confident about what you're selling and you're not trying to shove it down their throats. And that's a really cool thing that your customer service can provide uh, or your sales staff can provide. That's really important. All in all, Roost and Root is a really cool company. I look forward to seeing more of the content that they put out there. She talked about their growing content marketing and in looking for more ways to tell people about their business versus just using PPC, you know, pay per click over and over and over again. It's an easy way of doing it, but it does tie you in and make you dependent. So that was a great point. And it was really great meeting Diane. And I can't wait to see what they're doing in the future. Join us again on the next Off the Grid Biz Podcast, brought to you by the team at brianjpombo.com, helping successful but overworked entrepreneurs transform their companies into dream assets. That's B R I A N J P O M B O. 
www.offthegridbiz.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Off The Grid Biz podcast, go to offthegridbiz.com slash contact. Those who appear on the show do not necessarily endorse my beliefs, suggestions, or advice, or any of the services provided by our sponsor. Our theme music is Cold Sun by Dell. Our executive producer and head researcher is Sean E. Douglas. I'm Brian Pombo, and until next time, I wish you peace, freedom, and success. Thank you.